This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. This is a really fun series. You know I love me a food series. And this one is the most fun because it's attached to a dream. A dream project of mine, which was writing a cookbook. And I still literally cannot believe this very second that it's real. That I wrote a whole cookbook and it's about to be in the world. Or So I've been filling your ears up. With all the good stuff, like behind the scenes of cookbooking and recipes and my family, all this fun stuff. And today is no exception. Oh, you guys, if you know, you know, I'm excited for you because I have an incredible guest today. She is absolutely beloved. Most of you follow her and we all love her. It is Tegan Gerard of Half-Baked Harvest, y'all. Oh my gosh. This is one of my absolute favorite Instagram follows. She and I share like a lot of like point of view on food and flavor profiles. And she's darling. She's funny. Her voice is so recognizable to me that I could hear her out of a million people if she said one sentence. She started in the olden days of blogging, like so many people did. I absolutely love Tegan. First of all, her food's a work of art. Her pictures make me drool every single time. And we're going to talk a lot about that because she doesn't just develop her recipes and cook them. She styles them and shoots them. She is kind of like just an absolute like triple threat. If you haven't followed her, you're welcome for this introduction. You're going to be so happy. She is just absolutely incredible. Her talent is unparalleled, but elevated and somehow still simple. Like you can do it all. It's all attainable, even for people who burn water. Her charming little mountain life has endeared her to just millions of followers. And you know we love a self-made woman over here on For the Love. And she started young. Wait till you hear this. She's been busting her behind for nine or 10 years. She's gone all the way from a little blog to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. She's not even in her 30s yet. This girl can do it. She can dream up a recipe She can make it gorgeous. She can make it accessible. I'm so pleased to share my conversation with the wonderful Tegan Gerard of Half-Baked Harvest.
Tegan, I am literally so happy to see you and to meet you. I love you. I adore you. Thank you for coming on the show. I am so, so excited to be here. You're amazing. So I'm just, I'm happy. It'll be fun. I've told my listeners a little bit about you for those of them who didn't know you, but I wonder if you wouldn't mind just for a second before we drill down into some stuff. Can you, I I love talking to cooks. I love talking to people who love food and kitchen. I do too, but I came to it late. Like I came to cooking as a grown adult. I didn't, I had never seen a piece of garlic in the wild. Like I, I taught, I was self-taught in my thirties. And so What did this look like for you? I know you've written about this plenty, but can you give us a picture of how things got started for me from the beginning? Like, when did you learn to cook? Why did you learn to cook? What were the influences on you when you were younger? Because you're still young. And here you are with this huge, incredible career. Incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I did start young. Like I said, I am one of eight and my childhood was chaotic. I mean, I had, I grew up with five brothers actually. So I was the only girl until my little sister was born. And I was 15 at the time when she was born. So for 15 years, the only girl with, you know, five brothers, it was, it was great. And I loved it. I loved growing up with five brothers. Like I think growing up with sisters would be really competitive. I don't know how people do that. (laughs) Yeah. So that was all really great. But like, you know, my dad worked nine to five and then my mom, my mom was a stay at home mom, but she's just like always busy that woman. And she's, she's always busy, always doing something, always working on something for someone like the busy, busy woman. And she was then too. And like, so she was busy managing all of her children, driving around, doing all the things that moms do, but she also didn't love to cook. So my dad, so she loved to bake, but she did not love to cook. So the other thing was that like my dad would do dinner and my mom would do the baking. So we always had dessert on the table before we had dinner, like even it was even a thought. And so, I mean, so that was kind of the case. My dad would work nine to five. And then after work, he would go and he would go to the gym. And so he wouldn't get home until like eight o'clock and we were eating dinner most of the time at like nine o'clock. And we've always eaten late as a family, nine, nine thirty, ten, totally normal for us. But I think after school, I was just bored. And I was like, one, I'm tired of tacos, chicken and rice and the same old, same old. And I've always been a creative person, never liked school, but loved to use my hands, put things together, make things look pretty. And I guess a little bit of a people pleaser in a way too. So I just started cooking. I just like, I don't know. I just started cooking, didn't think anything of it. I think I really enjoy being able to make people happy through that. Like it was super easy for me to do. And I, and I kind of fed off of like, it was just a way that like I was needed. And I, I think I really liked that. And I just kept going with it all throughout. So I think I started in like maybe sixth grade or so. And then all throughout middle school and high school, I really just kept cooking. Didn't think anything of it. Always, always said that I really want to go into fashion. I love clothes. I want to be a stylist. I want to go live in LA, the whole shebang, you know, every teenage girl's dream. Right. And I did that and I went and I moved to LA, was in LA for three months, was going to go to school at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising and got a job. And I was there for three months and I was like, no, I'm not fit for LA. I was also 18. So probably for some people and other other people, definitely not. But like for some people, it was just too young for me. First time I'd been out of the house, 
like kind of all of the things and they all hit me all at once. And I was like, nope, I'm going home. And it was really my mom. I, so much of my everything is like to my mom because she's always been an out of the box thinker. She never pushed us to do things in like the traditional way, which is funny because her family is very traditional and like us moving away from, we moved from Ohio to to Colorado that was a big deal. Nobody had moved away from Ohio. And like, she just was, she's like a little bit rebellious, I guess. And she never pushed us and my dad too, but he just kind of like goes with the flow. She never pushed us to like do anything in a very traditional way. And I guess at some point I had started reading food blogs. Right. And like, you should just start a food blog. And I was like, okay. And we did it. What year was that? What year was the, did the food blog start? 2012. It was going on 10 years, which is just crazy. That was that kind of like front edge of blogging. That was like the golden years of food blogging and all of it really. And so, I mean, you caught lightning in a bottle. It was a really good time. I mean, like that was back when Twitter was really big, like before Instagram, right before Instagram got really big. So yeah, that's when I started, which was like, like you said, the golden time. And I literally, from the day that I put up that first post, I never stopped. There was a post six days a week following that and the momentum and the consistency, I think really all was in my favor. I was lucky enough to have the time to be able to be living at home and have, you know, the means of my family to support me while building this. So it was really like, it was just all of the things really worked, which was amazing, obviously. But I mean, I worked very hard on it. And, you know, 10 years later, now I'm here, but like, yeah, so that's how I got started. Gosh, I just, that was like a whole, I didn't stop talking there for like, no, I love it. I'm so fascinated. I love your (laughs) origin story. There's so many things that you just said that I'm obsessed with, including the fact that I love that your mom, particularly, but your parents together, let you take an untraditional path. Not just let you, I mean, you're grown, you can make your choices, but blessed it and like supported it. Like, I think it's home. really hard for people, you know, that are, that have very traditional sets of parents that are like, nope, you got to go to college. You got to do the sure. whole thing. Like, you know, I was lucky enough that I was really able to start working right out of school. You know, it was, it was incredible. So, and I graduated early from high school, the way that I had done it was that I took college courses at the same time. So I actually graduated with an associate's degree. So technically I do have two years of college. Ma'am, that counts. If you have an associate's degree, the word degree is in there and that counts. I also love that you had a chance to learn in a kind of low stakes way. That's what blogging was. It was low stakes. If something didn't work, okay. Like if, if one recipe went sideways, but cares. I mean, I had nothing to lose. Like I just nothing. had actually, and like, oh my gosh, I wish I had that mentality now where I stopped. Yeah. Where I wasn't, I wasn't overthinking. I was just like, totally, like, you know, my mom's reading this. You know For I mean? sure. For sure. Like, and I don't even know if you had any concept, there's just no way that you could have had a concept back then about what you would build. Right. I mean, like where you're at today probably just didn't even, I don't even know if you could have had the imagination for it back then. Oh, no. I mean, like, and people also weren't like, you know, there weren't influencers. Like, this You're wasn't right yet. Like, people were on Twitter and, like, it just wasn't really a thing yet. We still had so, we'd so, you know, the, the industry or whatever you want to call it, the business had 
so much growth in the last 10 years and even in the last three years, like it's just totally changed. Absolutely. Like you rode this really interesting wave that we probably won't see exactly repeated. Like we're not going to see that exact thing happen from like blogging to the dawn of really a new social media age to where we are now. Like that's the exact wave you got. And it's so awesome. It's incredible to watch, incredible to look at. What a good way to learn. I'm so curious. Like, I love your food. You and I have a similar point of view on food, like in terms of like flavor profile and ingredients and, and just sort of, I love, 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 love everything you make. How did you learn? Did you learn did you learn? I'm trying to, I'm putting myself back in like 2012, 2011, 2010, even before are then you, for you. Wait, wait, are you Southern? Yeah. You, I just got a little bit of your accent and I was like, oh, where do you live? Texas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I, I saw that somewhere and I was like, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so when you put a, a jalapeno on something, I'm like, put in four, you know, you like taste the better. Oh, I love it. All the flavor, like all, all, all. So I'm high on savory, spicy flavor, just like you. But I taught myself to cook in probably, I mean, God, pre-internet, like really pre-internet. So I taught myself to cook from cooking shows. This was like in the 2000s, like the Food Network cooking shows, like Paula Dean and like the Neelys, like old school. Like Yeah, I did Rachel Ray 30-minute meals. That was kind same. of my... Rachel Ray and yeah. cookbooks. And, yeah. and so that's sort of how I learned. Did you have like favorite either cooks or cookbooks or shows or, or sites that you were like, these are, these are my teachers. This is my culinary school. Well, it's really interesting. Cause to your point, like even in 2012, like, well, not really 2012, honestly, but like before then, before the website, like the cooking shows were big. Rachel Ray was really Honestly, though, like I just did Rachel Ray 30 minute meals. That was kind of like my thing. I would watch that a lot. And then I would just Google stuff. Like I was a Googler and I couldn't really follow any recipes. Like I would take the recipe. So my thing, the way that I taught myself to cook really was that I would take a recipe. Most of the time, I really wouldn't have a lot of the ingredients because I was, you know, how old are you in sixth grade? I don't know. You're 11. I wasn't driving, you know, I wasn't getting myself to the store. My parents did weekly or maybe like twice weekly grocery store trips. So like I had no control over what they were getting. Of course. I was going from what my, my parent, my dad had in in the kitchen and trying to make it work. So if a recipe and I didn't know, so it's really funny. Like I just, I didn't know like, Oh, an ingredient swap. Like I didn't know like, Oh, well this not really the same thing. Like this doesn't actually like this probably when it works. I, I was like, well, this is what I have. So I, yeah. I don't know. Like, can I use polenta for rice? I don't know, you know? <laughs> and so I just did things like that. And I really learned so much through that. And I got different flavors. I got different textures. I got different, like all kinds of things, just because I was just like using what I had And that's how I started to learn, okay, this works with that. And, you know, and then anything I didn't know, I was, I'm of that, you know, generation of like Google and you'll find out, you know. I cannot even count on times I've been like, what can I swap for lemongrass? 
Like uh, the, the internet will tell you. The internet will tell you. Of course, I'm assuming that you ended up too having these appreciative eaters. Like everybody in your house is probably thrilled. Oh my gosh, somebody else is cooking dinner. Like, yay. It's not chicken and rice. Well, well, yes. <laughs> yes my, old, no? <laughs> my oldest brother, 100%, he'll eat anything. My dad, eat anything. My mom, the pickiest eater in the world. And at the time, my younger brothers were really picky too, but they've since come around. So, but no, and I wasn't making things like the way that I'm making things now either. Like I was still very basic and making things that I knew they would like and enjoy. I made a lot of chocolate chip pancakes for dinner kind of thing. Like it wasn't (laughs) fancy. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, like my parents were very appreciative and I, I love being able to help in that way. I'm the middle child smack in the middle. I don't know what that means, but people say like, oh, you're a middle child. And oh, you're definitely a Virgo. I'm like, cool. You know? Sure. So then you probably get to the point after not too long where you are saying, I need uh fresh ginger on the grocery list. I need jasmine rice. Like, did you start putting I was in your just orders? Going with my mom. So we lived in Ohio at the time when I started and there was this grocery store. We like big family, not a lot of money. We would go to this grocery store called Mark's. And so I would just go to Mark's with my mom and throw, she, we, she was never very like, I like me throwing something in the cart. She wouldn't really like question it or whatever she, which is interesting just because she was like a coupon clipper and like, but I would just, I love to go to the grocery store with her and I didn't go with a list or anything like that. So still I wasn't like, I just kind of went and pulled and then like used it. That's so fun. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. So get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Now, what I 100% want everybody to know about you, because this is not always the case with people who have careers like yours inside food is that you, you do it all. And now you can tell me right now, like, well, I did. And now I have help, but you have built your whole space by not only developing your own recipes, which you do, but you style them, which is a whole deal. That's its own genre. Food styling is its own thing. Photography. That is its own thing. Like You can be a great cook and have absolutely no idea how to do those two things, but you do it all. And all this videoing that you do, the voiceovers, it is a ton of work, just an absolute ton. And so you're kind of like a quadruple threat. 
did you have to teach yourself those other pieces too? I mean, you said you've always been creative. You love putting beautiful things together. You were heading into fashion. So I can kind of see your gifts, like just you turn them toward cooking instead of fashion. But I mean, that does not mean you're you're going to be good at all of that. And you're good at all of that. Like, which was the steepest learning curve for you? Yeah, so it's really, so this is the thing that I think that kind of like is really different about me. I actually think that I, no, I think I know now I enjoy the styling piece of it more than I enjoy the cooking. Do so you really? I, yeah. I, mean, I, I can see it. I can see I that. love to make things look pretty. I absolutely, like I, in my eye, in my head, like when something clicks, like I'm like so excited. It clicks. I'm like, yeah, this is it. Like, I love it. So that's how I build recipes is I really build them in my head first. And I build them based off of color and textures and like how I want it to look on my surface and, and like what I want people to feel when they look at this photo, the mood, what season is it? All of those things are things that I'm thinking of when I'm creating a recipe. And so I really work backwards and I start with how do I want people to feel when they're looking at this photo? Is this a cozy recipe? Is this a summer recipe? You know, you know, we're heading into fall right now. so cozy recipes are on the mind. Like if I'm doing soup, like, am I adding a warm texture to the, to the whatever, or am I, how do, and how do I want the actual food to look like what's going to make it pretty? What are the greens? What are the colors happening here? How does everything working? So it's really, I could never fully explain it. Like the way that it works in my head, but it works for me. So I kind of work backwards. And then, then once I like get an idea of how I want it to look, how I want the recipe to look, I mean, like, I'm like, oh, I want to make a pasta, right? Like I want to make pasta with a red sauce that I have a general like idea. Okay, this is what I want to make. But then from there, I'll build like, do I want it spicy? Do I want it really traditional? What is this a Sunday night dinner? Is this, you know, a quick 30 minute recipe? How do I want all of those things? And then I just work backwards and I build the recipe from there. And it's always changing because I am the one shooting photo. Like you said, a lot of most, in most cases, when you are, you're a recipe developer, you have, you just develop the recipe. You're in the kitchen, you're working and you're developing the recipe. You usually have then someone who is photographing those recipes, the video content for those recipes. And then you also have someone who's styling it. It's three totally different things. I don't think I could do it any other way. I don't think I could have someone be doing those things for me. Because it's my creative process of how I do the recipe creation. I don't think I could have the creative recipe without the other aspects of it. But additionally, you had to learn how to photograph it because it's one thing to make it look beautiful, but also photography is a skill. And so I guess you just added that on to your Googling. Like, I'll just learn how to, how to photograph. I'll get an expensive camera and I will figure out how to take beautiful pictures. Yes. But also my younger brother, Malachi, has always been into videography and photography. And so he, I bought my first, made me buy it. I bought From my, him? Yeah. I bought my Brothers. first camera off of him. It was like a Canon something. Uh-huh. Older. I, I don't know. I am not a photographer. You guys, I don't, I don't, I'm not a photographer. I know how to shoot food. I know how to use my camera. I know how to set the settings to shoot food. Don't ask me to shoot anything else. Okay. Okay. That's it. Yeah, I no. Otherwise, I'm I'm good at styling. I'm good at putting the things together. But like the photography piece of it, like I am not. I don't never call myself a photographer. I go to my brother for everything. This isn't working. 
this, how do I do this? This is, and I still do to this day, or I Google it. Yes, I taught myself photography. I mean, I taught, I did. I had to teach myself the basics. I had to teach myself composition, you know, within photography. There's like, there is certain things that you kind of like, there's a rule of three and, and it works. Like you do things in a certain way. Like I read some books and I definitely Googled a lot back in the day. And then I just slowly developed my own style and developed my own way of doing it. And it's a very special way of doing things. I love the way you do it. And then of course, as, as your career like continues to arc and then even platforms are changing, you need to, at that point, move into videoing, like, which that is a thing that you have now. And it's, you've got your voiceovers, like your voice is so recognizable to me that I could hear it. If a million people were talking at once, I could separate your voice from the pack because I watch your your video, I, I, I follow you on social media. And so then you're adding that. To, it's just a lot. Like anybody who has the audacity to think, wow, this is kind of like a hobby and it just gets to be like a job. I'm like, this is so full-time. This is the most full-time thing I've ever seen. You are probably working 12 hours a day. Like, did you style and shoot your own cookbooks? I did. I know. What in the all world? Three, all three of them. And I asked myself like, and I'm, I mean, there's other things in the works and I'm like, Tegan, you need to just get a photographer. You need to get a stylist. Like you are beyond this. Like, come on. But I mean, yeah, I'm a but control- it's your way. I'm a control freak. Yes. And it's your way. Like it is, if way. you've developed the recipe out of the way that you literally conceptualized it looking, then you have to make it look that way. That's nobody else can like read your mind. And so that is your and special I'm way. I'm really bad at telling people what's in my mind. I'm just like, I need it to be yes or my So anyway. Well, let me ask you this because you obviously wouldn't say this yourself. So I will say it for you. I mean, not only do you have like millions of fans and followers, but you went number one on the New York times bestseller list. It's so rare. That is such rare air, like just not common. It's a teeny percentage of all people who ever write a word in any genre. That is incredible. And I hope that you have the capacity to like, take that in and be like proud of that. Cause you worked hard for that and you built it. That's not overnight. You did not overnight success yourself there. That was grind blog day in day out, six days a week, nonstop. Like you, you earned that. That is very sweet of you. It's not sweet. It's what you did. You earned it. And so I wonder for you, having amassed such, not just success, but this huge following, that's a lot of watching eyes. That's a lot of listening ears. How has that felt to you? Has it changed the way that maybe you approach cooking? Because it's good and bad. It's good and bad. Like success is great because it frees you up to do more of what you love. And that's wonderful. And also- or less, or less. And so I'm curious what it, what it feels like now versus 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I love that you brought this up because I do think in today's day and age, there's just like this instance, especially, and no, I am not putting any shame on TikTokers, but no. like all the greatness to you guys. Yes. But like the overnight success, to me, I ask myself a lot, well, where's the longevity in that? You haven't built your audience up. You haven't built the community. You haven't built the trust with them. You know, there's so many things that I've taken 10 years 
people have honestly, people have watched me grow up from the age of 18 to 28, you know, like they literally watched me grow up and Mm. I, I still have followers from like day one. It's crazy. Totally. So I really, I have the trust, which I am so careful with of my community and they really trust when I say I like something, I like it. I'm not like, I'm not doing pro bono deals because like, no, no, no. Like if it's a product I'm recommending, like I'm using it. I like it. I love it. Like, yeah. So I really have built that trust with them, which I think has been so, so key in my success is that there is a relatability, there is a trust and I've just sort of done things in a different, in a different way. And yeah, I've done them slowly. I'm so, I mean, like, yeah, it took 10 years to get here, but like, I'm actually so thankful for that, that gradual growth. And there was never, people ask me all the time, like, what was the one thing that really put you on the map? I'm like, I didn't have that one thing. I didn't go on to the Today Show. I didn't go on, you know, I I didn't, there wasn't like some giant celebrity shout out. There wasn't nothing. It was just a gradual, steady, consistent growth. And I think it's been huge. I think that's really the key. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So I think that's awesome. And, and what's changed so much has changed, right? 10 years ago, I didn't have a second, second guessing. I mean, like, do I do this recipe? Or do I do this recipe? Is this like, no, totally. whatever. who cares? Who yeah. cares? This brand's reaching out. Oh yeah. If a brand's reaching out, that's cool. I'm going to work with you. You know, like I didn't have a lot, like I second guess too much because it is so important to me and what I'm building in my community. I want to make sure I'm making all the right moves. There's a lot, you know, more kind of like at stake now. I feel like there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more, a lot more to do. Like, yes, it opens up doors and opportunities, but those most of the time mean that I'm, I'm actually creating less, you know, like I'm doing things that I love, which is creating and, and making things look beautiful. Like I'm actually doing less of that and I'm doing more business stuff, more behind the scenes, you know, working with teams. It's all different it's things that like, I would have never thought that I would ever do in my life, but I'm doing totally. It. I know it turned into a business and business requires a business work. And I and do not have a business degree. Me neither. This, I started out as a creator too, just a writer. Uh-huh. And now my career is got a hundred slivers in the pie chart and there's huge teams and tons. What I do is I'm on me. I'm in meetings. I'm on calls. Thank you. And so, I, yes. so I, I really try to do, cause I am still creating a lot of content. I try to do like one day a week of calls and meetings. And, and that's why scheduling is like getting everybody. I'm like, no guys, one day I'm getting, doing I it. I love day. that. That's nobody will protect that except for you. That is so wise because if the tail wags the dog on a career that is skyrocketing, then the next thing that'll happen without intention is you will be in meetings from eight to five, Monday to Friday. You will. So I cannot agree with you more. I don't know. I'm a big podcast. I love podcasts. Lauren Bostick, Skinny Confidential. I don't know if you follow her. Like her, like years ago, she said, like, I just do calls on this day. And I'm like, that, me too. I'm going to do that. And uh-huh. I, I adapted that. And I'm like, well, sorry, guys. I'm just not, I just, is not, I'm not available. So I'm, but now, I mean, I've had to adjust like a little, I, you I have know. to, accept, like, I'm, I don't want to think like, you have to make exceptions, but it's been really like key. You do, you have to, no one's going to protect your time except for you. And you need You're to make it. 
protecting it because people want to get on Zooms. They want to get on 30 minute calls. Well, why does it need to be 30 minutes? Can it be 15 minutes? Like, you know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people that aren't the creators, they are just kind of sitting at their computers all day long. And like, you know, they don't maybe understand that you don't want to be doing that all the time. So not when you're you gotta, creative, you got to figure out what's important to you. And to me, creating the content and interacting with my community and all of those things are the things that really build my business at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so that has to maintain priority and you have to find a way to do it. That like push and pull and that tension increases and it requires a pretty steady hand. And I know for me, because I've built over years and years and years too, I had to learn that that also meant saying no a lot of times to pretty cool things. Learned that as well. And I think I was just on the phone with someone too. And I was like, I honestly haven't said yes to a brand deal in like ages. I mean, like if it's not a complete, you know, yes, I love that. I'm not doing it. So yeah, that's where I'm at. A few years ago when my career was just, it was just a a swirl. I couldn't figure out what to say no to. I couldn't figure out how to like organize and manage this level of like eyeballs on my work life and my work. And my agent put a book in my hand called essentialism. And it gave me one little sentence that I have used ad nauseum for every single day since. And I give it to my community all the time. They're like, Oh my God, that's my favorite sentence. And he just said, cause generally people who are in a career that they love, that is having some success, they have a lot of good opportunity. Everything's good. Nothing's bad. Everything that comes onto our plate is something good or medium good. And so he said, that's where it gets hard to suss out. And he said, use this when you're assessing any opportunity, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. That's it. I think it's the greatest piece of advice. And I think because you know what, though, I think that the things that even if it's like a good thing that you like, but it's taking up time that you don't really want to be doing it, it, it can it can be a bad thing. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're not happy, if you're not creating what you want to create and your audience is going to it just it all like just somehow just you got to be doing everything that you love and want to be doing and not That's anything right. else. That's right. Because time is, I mean, my God, time. Can we just have more hours in the day? Like time is the most valued thing. So like right. you need to like protect it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. I'm trying. It's hard. It's really it's hard. It's so hard. But what I have learned, because I've done it the wrong way and the right way, is that even if you just get like one degree off the course that you love, just one, it seems close. It's close-ish. It's ancillary. You're one degree off and you said, yes, if you do not course correct that, then in five years, you're over here and that goes fast those five years. And before you know it, you have veered so far from what you love, from what you want, from what you're good at. And you're over here from one degree change that you made five years ago. So I know what you are saying and I've done both. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question while we land the plane here. This is not a fair question. I hate when people ask me this question. I'm a foodie too. I'm a cookbook writer too. So it's like, I don't even know, but maybe it's just your answer today. In your opinion, if you had to pick it, what is the absolutely best thing that you make? 
Like this is it. You're like, okay, you, you give me one recipe. I'm going to shoot my shot. This is the one that zero people will find fault with. This is hilarious. Five ingredient, honey, butter, beer, bread. Oh yes. Incorruptible. Use salted butter. I could tell you the ingredients off of the back of my hand and it is, it's just full. It's foolproof. It's freaking delicious. And Everybody loves it, whether you eat bread or not, you love it. So sometimes it's the simple things, you know, like I, you know, if you have looked at any recipes, I love flavor. Like I don't want to eat anything boring, but like honey butter beer bread's great. So there's no way it's not. So, and you know what, that's just like top of mind because I live in Colorado in the mountains and gosh, we're having the, we've been all summer long, just dreary, rainy weather. And I'm like, all right. Well, it's basically fall at this point. So a bowl of chili with some beer bread is. It's absolutely perfection. And the good thing about honey butter beer bread is pretty much at all times, you have everything you need. Oh, no, no, no. At all times, I have everything that I need. (laughs) Flour, honey, butter, beer, baking powder. That's it. That's it. If you want it, you can have it one hour later. It's that simple. Just get in your kitchen. But And that's the thing. It's like, this is so crazy that we're talking about this, but like, you make that bread and people think you are just like a genius in the kitchen. I'm like, it was five ingredients and it took me five minutes to put together. Absolutely. I have said before in some biscuit recipes I've put out and people will say on my, in my community, I've never made biscuits. I'm like, Oh, Oh, don't, don't feel fancy about that. Do you have hands? If you have two hands and you have 10 minutes, you can go make biscuits. Uh It's like, they're not, there's no yeast or anything. And it's like piece of cake game, game changer. Like, Gotta have a little bit of the carb, you know? (laughs) Okay. Well, you just tell like my community uh, two things. Number one, if they are not already, they will be after this, where to find you online. But also, what are you working on? I know you're working on something. Okay. So one, you guys can find me at halfbakedharvest.com. And then all of my social platforms are linked there. But everything's pretty much halfbakedharvest or Tegan Gerard. But, uh, you know, Instagram is halfbakedharvest and run all the things, TikTok, Twitter, all the things, Pinterest, but really just go to the site, happytarvis.com. And we're working on so much. I'm so, I'm, I've never felt more excited actually. So we're some product development, TV, all different kinds of things yes. are in, in the works, more cookbooks, like everything that some fashion stuff, like all, all really amazing, amazing things. So I'm excited. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I'm so yeah. excited for you. Oh, I don't know you. what the TV is going to be. I don't know what the product's going to be, but I'm going to watch it and I'm going to buy it oh, and I'm going to cook it. You. So thank you. Thank I you. am thrilled for you. Like, I just, it's so exciting. You have so much pavement in front of you, so many places to go and explore and new things to develop. Thank it's so you. fun. I hope it stays fun for you. I'm trying to keep it that way, you know? Yeah, only do the absolutely. things that you love. Like we said, only do the do things that you love. love. Do so, what you love. Okay, yeah. Tegan, great Thank to meet you. you. So much. This was so much fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Have a great day. Yeah, you guys as well. All right, you guys. What did I tell you? Charming, funny, smart, hard worker. I love this girl. I'm proud of her and I'm happy for her. I love the success that she has experienced. I love the hard work she put into it. She just built it like one day at a time. And I just, I'm I'm impressed 
And I am just, I learned a lot from her today. If you haven't already, it's time to go smash that follow button on all of Tegan's spaces. If you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, we'll have this whole episode. Plus I'll have all of Tegan's stuff, all of her links to her books, all of her socials. You can just find it all in one place if you'd like more. And, and I think that you will. And so, oh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did. You know, I can't talk enough about, this is all my favorite things. Food, writing, styling, business, building, women, communities. Like it was all in here for me. And so thank you to Tegan for joining us over here in the For the Love world. Hey, you guys, love you. Love you, love you. Thank you for being a part of this food series. Thanks for being excited with me and for me. You're just the best. This is the best community ever. We love you, love you, love you. And we'll see you next week.